Jessica Vaughn began her career as a teenager under her maiden name, Jessica Poland. She came to fame as the singer-songwriter under her stage name, Charlotte Sometimes. Her debut album on Geffen Records, Waves and the Both of Us, received huge critical acclaim, including a number three position on the Billboard Heatseeker charts. She later became a contestant during season two of The Voice and received a four-chair turn during the blind audition round. She retired the Charlotte Sometimes stage name and began recording under her new sobriquet, Laces. Working at the music publisher Heavy Hitter Music, she has become a prolific collaborator with many artists, including the groups Skinny Beats, Chelsea Grams, Vanze, Riverside, Flavia, Belle Saint, Amanda Brown, Curtis Peoples, and Colin Creevey. Welcome to Backstory Song. I am your host, Doug Burke, and today I am very, very excited to have an artist on here whose work and her voice especially I have adored and just treasured, Jessica Vaughn. Jessica, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having me. Your voice is just magical, and you've been at it for a long time. One of the standard questions I ask is, when did you start writing songs and why did you start writing songs? And I saw from your bio, you started at the age of 14 in Wall Township, New Jersey, <laughs> writing songs. And, and what was like the force within you that made you want to become a songwriter? Thank you first for all those compliments. You know, I've just... I've always had a lot of feelings. I was a very emotional child <laughs> and I loved entertaining and I just started writing poetry to, I don't know, I guess get a handle on, on those feelings and not really quite understanding what they were. You know, I had a lot of adult feelings for a child. I don't know if that had to do with me being adopted and just, you know, I just looked at the world a little bit differently and I started writing poetry and I remember my dad saying, you know, no one really wants to hear you sing your poetry, so you should probably learn an instrument. And anytime anyone kind of challenges me, the challenge is accepted. <laughs> and so he's like, you need to find a collaborator, or learn an instrument. So I uh, rented a guitar from a guitar shop and, um, you know, a month later had booked my first gig with like, had written a bunch of songs already, even though I could barely play the guitar. <laughs> so it, it was in me at an early age, but, um, didn't necessarily know how to navigate that, but I was always writing poetry for as long as I can remember. So our listeners may know you from different monikers and I'm going to fill them in. So your first stage name was Charlotte Sometimes, and you were signed to Geffen Records and had a debut album, Waves and the Both of Us. Uh, your real name was Jessica Charlotte Poland, and you've actually released some material under, I don't know how you actually say this, the P-Land? Uh, Jay Poland? Jay Poland, Jay Poland. But you dropped the O, so I just like didn't know how to pronounce that. 
And your new work is mostly done under the laces and breezy? Mostly laces. I only have one song with breezy. So it's mostly laces and Jay Poland. And then I also have a project. Those are my two main artist projects. And the rest of the projects are more for film and television and for my alter egos. <laughs> and you also write for all kinds of kids' cartoons, right? So if you're a parent watching some of these kids shows you're listening to jessica vaughn's work and we're not going to talk about any of that on the show because that's not what we cover but maybe we will on on another show cover your cartoon songwriting work so you went on the voice and had a four chair turn which is a pretty rare thing (laughs) it was pretty cool yeah (laughs) that was cool Yeah. You know, everybody likes a little validatio. I mean, it's nice to be acknowledged. And I've always thought of myself as a songwriter that can sing, not a vocalist that writes songs. When people say anything about my voice, I'm like, oh, thank you so much, because I don't really think about it as much as my songwriting. talk about Alesis' song, They Say, that you wrote. Because was this inspired by any of your experiences in that world of The Voice and being part of a Geffen record label? Yeah. So it wasn't a part of my experience on The Voice because my experience on The Voice was pretty great, actually. It was fun. I kind of knew what I was walking into, unlike some of the other contestants. You know, it wasn't my first rodeo on TV. So I was ready to play the role that the producers wanted me to play. Um, But, you know, they say I actually had gotten hired by a publisher originally to write this song about being a survivor. It was supposed to be a televised event in Las Vegas. And all of these other big stars were going to be singing this song. I was hesitant to take it on because 
you know, so often those songs about being a survivor just come across as a little cheesy, a little too on the nose, doesn't necessarily resonate with the survivor, you know? And I I really didn't want it to be that. I wanted, of course, a call to action and to do my job properly and make the client happy. But it's a subject that obviously means a lot to me. So I wrote it from my perspective, but also with the idea that not everybody is on the journey to accept things that have happened to them, but they might carry those emotions with them. So I wanted the song not to be triggering in any way so that you could listen to it and find comfort and empathy without feeling alienated and ultimately triggered by the song. And for me, it's, you know, it's a song about the process of living through trauma in a country that kind of asks you to smile through it and forget it. <laughs> because, you know, being a survivor isn't really a choice. It's kind of the next step after you've been assaulted in some way. And that trauma changes you. To me, being a survivor is just, it's not a choice. It's like, if you want to keep going, you have to survive your life. And so that's what the song's about. I've had a lot of trauma in my life from an early age. Not everyone knows this about me, but I'm a certified counselor advocate in the state of California for trauma survivors. So I've learned a lot about sexual assault and trauma and domestic abuse. It's not very often that a survivor is only assaulted once in their life or harassed once in their life. So there are conversations I've had with journalists. There is one in Lady Gun about when I was on tour and I was I was raped on tour. And obviously that was kind of the focus when we were working on releasing this song and trying to bring some light onto violence against women in music. That being said, for me, I was molested when I was a kid and then I was raped on tour. And then before I moved to LA, I was kidnapped and assaulted by a cab driver. And that's why I moved to LA. So carrying all of that in my body for many, many years, it was kind of an opportunity to be able to write a song about being a survivor without fearing that I would be the one having to sing it. But obviously <laughs> the televised concert got canceled. <laughs> My God, you can laugh about it. I mean, I mean, you have to, it's life, you know, and I've made peace with what's happened to me. And how did you do that? How, 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 therapy. <laughs> explain for to me and for my listeners because this keeps coming up on my show with you know Asia Folkman and Bobby Rush talking to me about these things. I don't know how to deal with it myself, Jessica. How did you deal with it? You know, for me, a big part of my healing process was becoming a counselor advocate. I'm not on active duty anymore, where I don't do hospital accompaniments or work the hotline anymore, but. When I moved to LA a few years into living here, I just felt like I was still carrying a lot of baggage. And I had started to date my now husband and we had been best friends for many years. And I finally felt like I was in a safe space to, to explore it further. And I felt like the only way I was going to feel better is if I worked really hard to make the industry a better place and a safer, more equitable space. Learning about my trauma really helped me understand how it has affected my brain and my decisions 
and physically as well. So understanding things really helps me move on. And also being able to be a catalyst for change within my industry kind of makes me fearless because I work the hotline and I would hear all these horrible stories and I would go to the hospital with a survivor and I just felt like there's got to be something else I can do besides just be with these survivors in the shadows. So I made a commitment to be very loud and bold about it and try to make an impact. So for me, I I was never going to release this song either because it did feel so sensitive to me and I didn't want to sing it alone. And my husband said to me, you know, Jess, don't poo-poo this song. It's really moving and it's powerful and people deserve to hear it. Would you be comfortable if maybe some of your friends sang on it? We kind of did it that way. I talked to my friends and they were all down to sing it. You know, Amanda Brown, Flavia, Belle Saint. And when they stood in solidarity with me, I felt so powerful and just ready to face it. I'm so glad that we released it. And that is kind of a real tell about how it is to be a survivor in the world. That if we share our story and it's met with I believe you. I'm here for you. Let's try to make a change. Let's stand together. I'm here to talk if you want to talk. I mean, the world could just do so much better with a little bit more empathy. And this song was a way for me to also see that in my community. That's very interesting because I'm sure in those moments, you feel very alone. And what this song and what you just told me, it tells me is that you're not alone. And there are others who've been through this stuff. If you seek out help from others, maybe you can move forward. Exactly. And that's kind of what surviving is about. (laughs) This show is hard. This show has gotten a lot harder than I expected. Um, (laughs) Well, songwriters are so in touch with their feelings because writing songs is an extension of their humanity. What I like about They Say, and what I like about a lot of your music, is the emotive oohs and ahs. (laughs) The vocalese. (laughs) I could listen to like a whole album of Jessica Vaughn just like making noises that aren't words. My brother and I joke about who did this best, and he says Joe Cocker at Woodstock on... uh, try a little help from your friends. You, like there's eight minutes where you can't understand a word that he says basically <laughs> on yeah. stage where you're like, that's awesome. I think Bruce Springsteen has a lot of words like that. We were arguing who did it better, Bruce or Joe once, but you know, from a female perspective, I think Janis Joplin did it great or Eddie Vedder on a song like Better Man, where at the end you're like, he's not really saying anything you know he's just he's just making sounds and yet the sounds communicate an emotion what's the emotion here that you're going for and how does it motivate you to come up with these sounds i'm really down with using my voice as an instrument sometimes words aren't enough and sometimes they get in the way what i mean by that is it's important to give space in a song and let the listener create their own narrative. And sometimes those chords and the melody really resonate and are healing to the body in a way. It feels good. I mean, it's not scientific. It just feels really good. And that's why I do it. I mean, sometimes I'll write these lyrics and I'm like, 
so what's next in the story? And I'm like, who cares? How do I feel? How does the listener feel? Are we on this journey together? And and that's when I kind of will release an ooh or an ah or a, a non-vocal lyrical, you know, non-lyrical vocal part, vocalese. And I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. It also really works well in film and TV because it doesn't get in the way of somebody else's narrative. Oh, that's interesting. And, you know, I don't think I've heard the word vocalese on this show before, but that is what it is, isn't it? It's vocalese. It's- yeah. <laughs> when I started writing songs, I must have sounded like Michelle Branch or something because I was, you know, 13 and listening to a lot of Michelle Branch at the time. And my guitar teacher was like, you know, you need to do something different with your voice because you need to do your own thing. And so I just started making all these like, that, 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 like all these weird little <laughs> stuff. And I just kind of never stopped. <laughs> so is there anything else we want to say about They Say? It kind of stands alone. And I hope that people who aren't necessarily survivors, I hope it still resonates with them if they've ever gone through a hard time in their lives. You know, I never want a song to alienate anybody. Um, like a song should feel like a hug. <laughs> And please, that was the cheesiest thing I've ever said. (laughs) (laughs) That's going in our Instagram. That's that. That's going to be one of our Instagram quotes because that one is a good one. (laughs) We're going to use that on our social media. Songs should feel like a hug, you know. (laughs) Yeah, it should communicate an emotion, and but you know, sometimes the emotion is a punch in the face and not a hug. (laughs) Yes, sometimes you need that though. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at So let's 
talk about, I think it might be your most played Spotify songs. The video has got 245,000 plays for the song, The End, which I believe you released as Jay Poland. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the end. Oh, the end. Who knew? Who knew that it would uh, go viral in the last few months? Not me. <laughs> Why did it do that? I don't know if you've heard of the show Bridgerton on Netflix. The reason why I have 25 monikers, yes, 25 monikers, is because I do so many different genres of music and I love writing songs so much that I just feel like they all should live in their own universe. And the fans that might resonate with one project might not necessarily resonate with another. I wrote this song many, many moons ago at my friend's house in New Jersey. You know, we were just having a good time. Many years later, this year, it ended up on a show, Bridgerton, and it was in a very scandalous scene, a very sexual scene. And it was the only song on the show that had vocals, and it was a very big moment in the show where the two main characters, it's basically soft porn. I'm not going to lie to you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so you're the soundtrack big... to soft porn on Netflix. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a big moment in the show and it really changes how the characters move forward. It just kind of blew up from there. I mean, it got millions of streams. It's getting worldwide radio play now. But yeah, to me, it was just an older song. I had forgotten that it was going to be on the show until about a few weeks before. And my husband and I were like, oh, crap, we should probably release this song on the day it comes out, which was on Christmas Day. And then it kind of took a life <laughs> of its own. And But it's just so interesting because when I wrote the song originally, I sent it around and you know no one was really interested in it and no one liked it. <laughs> it feels to me like a song about a love song gone wrong, like a love that's gone wrong. Oh yeah, totally. Okay, totally so was. I got it right. Yeah. <laughs> Because that happens in love sometimes. And boy, when that happens, it's really bad, right? You know, it's not like two friends breaking up. It's No, it's it's bad. You know, it's so interesting because I'm really good friends with the person who it's about still. And this person, and we'll talk about him again on another song, I tend to have the same muses over time. Even if I'm not with them, like I just remember that feeling. He was an ex of mine. And he was much older than me, 17 years older than me. And I learned a lot from him, probably because we weren't in the same age bracket. I was so heartbroken that he didn't want to be with me. And the song is kind of about, we had a very magnetic connection. Uh, and I was thinking to myself, if I'm going down, you're going down. Like we're both going down. <laughs> And so it's kind of about that. And and when the song blew up, I texted him and I was like, remember this song? <laughs> Did he know it was about him? Oh, yeah. I mean, I used to send all of my songs as a cry for help to him, you know, but it never worked out. <laughs> I like some of the techniques you use in this song where you say, keep, keep, keep. Do you do this in a lot of the songs we're going to talk about today? You repeat words and phrases, which, you know, is kind of not traditional. Why do you do that? And what are you trying to accomplish? Again, kind of going back to the idea of using your voice as an instrument, it feels good. Sometimes you say more when you say less. I've always just had fun with the way like a word sounds. And 
you know, keep, 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 like makes you feel like, ooh, this is creepy. And then it goes into the kind of those long legato kind of notes where you're like, oh, now we're getting sensual. That's kind of how it feels. It's like kind of like this whispery plea. And so I try to make my words emulate the feeling of whatever you're going through and how your brain works, at least how my own brain works. And I tend to have very cyclical thoughts. You know, I struggle with anxiety and obsessive thinking, and I'll keep saying the same thing over and over and over to myself. So a lot of times I do that with the lyrics that I create. The lyric that really grabbed me and shook me was, keep your hands in my grip. I mean, this is as far away from I want to hold your hand by the Beatles <laughs> as you could get, you know, like yes. this is one love to another. Keep your hands in my grip. This is <laughs> like, this is haunting and yet powerful. <laughs> yeah. It goes into that idea that I just didn't want to let him go and it is a toxic way of looking at love, right? Where I just was like, no, like I want to keep you in my control. I don't want to let you go. And if that means using my body, if that means, you know, and same thing with keep your lies on me and keep your words in my mouth. I felt like I don't want to hear it, right? Like I don't want to hear you leaving. So they're going to stay body to body. I'm not going to give space for those words or lies. But I will say my favorite part is the rap. <laughs> that's such a silly part. <laughs> why do you say it's silly? I mean, that's you funny. Know, I, that's so funny. Why do, why do you like it? Because <laughs> it's two words said over and over again. And kind of in this round, you know, like a traditional round of music writing, and the way it evolves, my words, your heart, your end, my start, your taste, my mouth, your game, my crown, my words, your heart, your end, my start. It's like, it just makes you think about each pairing. <laughs> I like that you like it that way. It's so interesting what people resonate with in my songs, because, you know, when I listen to that song, I think about how I probably wouldn't have written it that way now, you know, but it's an older song, so... It's interesting how lazy I was. I think that's great. That's not lazy. It's my <laughs> and your. And that's what this song is about. This my, your relationship that's gone bad. It's true. It's true. Well, I'll take it. I mean, I think of it as lazy songwriting when I listen to it, but I'm such a perfectionist. And when I wrote the song with my friend, Jeff Plate, who now owns like a brewery, which is so funny because we've had like this successful song together many years later. And we like to laugh about it because, you know, we just had a lot of fun writing and I'm pretty sure I had a whole bottle of Chardonnay and had written that song and recorded it that day in his bedroom. So it's funny because I'm sure by the time we got to the bridge, I, I can't remember, it's a little fuzzy, but I'm pretty sure I was just like, what if it was just like my words, like your heart, like your end, my start. Like, you know what I mean? That's what it feels like <laughs> to me. So I love that I've tricked everyone to think that I'm much smarter than I actually am. <laughs> I like the song. It's, I'm glad it's blown up for you. I mean, you deserve the credit. You're such a hardworking, professional show person. You've been at this so long and to kind of get a breakout song like that out of nowhere, you deserve it. Oh, thank you so much. 
Talk about a new song that is being released. So I had the pleasure of getting a pre-listen. I don't know if it has been released yet, but "Breaking My Heart." Yeah, it comes out on the nineteenth. Oh, I'm so excited for this one! Another love song. Yes, another another dark love song. I'm just so fascinated by toxic love for some reason, or there's something about the darkness that comes with loving something or someone or that's bad for you, that makes you feel more alive because probably the feeling is so fleeting. So it's just easier to write something when you're feeling that type of manic energy than it is when I'm just like happy and watching Netflix with my husband, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So you repeat phrases a lot in this song. I do it, I do it, I blew it, I blew it, which I like, you know? And it seems organic the way you do it. It seems kind of percussive and almost like an instrument. I don't think it's traditional songwriting. Well, maybe, you know what? I've always, I hate tradition in general. That's what we like about you, Jess. <laughs> and I've always done things my own way in life. And I guess in songwriting and I guess in my vocals as well. There's an Avril Lavigne song that's always stuck with me, which was like, I want to be anything but ordinary. <laughs> Yeah, I think I've definitely sculpted a life that has definitely made me a little left of center. (laughs) But yeah, I do repeat those lines a lot. But again, going back to the idea that that's how my brain works, that pre-chorus, I do it, I do it. I burn that shit down. I blew it, I blew it. You know, a wave crashes down. I do it, I do it. It's all coming down. Isn't that kind of how you feel when the anxiety comes in or you're thinking about a past mistake and it is just, at least for me, it's just so overwhelming and overbearing and it's all I can think about. You definitely can't get your mind on anything else, right? Yes. And that's why repeating the lyric reinforces that. You're like, (laughs) I just can't stop thinking about this. I can't stop thinking. I can't stop thinking about it. Exactly. It's kind of like you're yelling at yourself. (laughs) you're like "Ah, not again (laughs) i love the vocal lease i'm gonna use that now on my show (laughs) it's na 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 it's It's like na 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 yeah (laughs) so what are you saying there to me like i was listening and you can't tell really when you listen to the song because when i am about to write a song or not always but if i'm like getting ready for a session and i know i'm writing with someone i kind of have an idea of what i want to create. And so I was listening to a lot of Kate Bush and Ellie Goulding 
And I was listening to, funny enough, I don't want to wait, that song. And she sings a lot of na-na-nas. And so na-na-nas, which is on my mind. And I I was thinking about this song and it's about like a love triangle. And, you know, we all hope to avoid those in life, but and like that push and pull of wanting more. And I just felt like it was kind of mocking. Na-na-na-na-na kind of is a mocking feeling, right? Like it's you only hear na 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 when someone's like na 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 na. Right. Like on a kid's playground, right? Yeah. So I thought, wouldn't it be cool to combine them in a way where you're almost kind of patronizing yourself and then also kind of coming down on somebody else, like wagging your finger? Like in the song, there's three characters there's me, and there's the person that's breaking my heart, and then there's the person that I'm breaking theirs. And so in the beginning, it's like na 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 na. Like, how could you do that to me? And then it's like, no, 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 what's wrong with me? <laughs> so it's just, it's kind of goes that back and forth. And it also just feels good. And it's always important in a song to, at least for me, I love pop music and I love creating some sort of like ear candy that like won't get out of your head. And it's definitely a part that follows you around where you're like, stop it. I don't want to sing na 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 anymore. And so <laughs> I definitely created it in a way that anyone could sing it. Okay, I need to talk about the sound on here, on this song. The layers of sound, the layers of synthesizers and computer drums and piano riffs that you like put out and peel back and the percussion, like tell me about how this came together because it's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Again, I was listening to a lot of Kate Bush. I was like, how does like Kate Bush do pop? Or like, how do we make a cinematic song a pop song? And that really comes from my experience in film and TV, where I do a lot of licensing for television. And I also write custom songs for television and film. And But I was like, I want Laces to have a cinematic song. I was like, I want a cinematic song. I'm dramatic. I can do this. And I was going through a lot personally. I don't know if you can tell from the song. Seems like a lot of your songs have that element too. <laughs> a lot of things going on. I thought that the music should reflect that. So my producer and I, we really sat down and really mapped out the different parts of the song while we wrote the song. So we knew where things were going to get bigger and where there was going to be a vocalese and where we wanted the song to go. And that we didn't want it to be a traditional cinematic where, you know, you have those like taiko drums and you have strings and things like that. We wanted it to feel more contemporary and synthy and kind of just go with all of the older Laces songs and the newer Laces songs. So it was really important that we kind of pulled some of those elements. We were listening to Ellie Goulding's In My, I think it's My Blood is the song or blood, it's in my blood, blood, something like that. She really killed the game in that song. And so we try to emulate that in certain ways in our song. We shot a music f video for it last week. I just got the- Oh, I can't wait to see that. And I'm going to break the news on this episode that we are launching an over-the-top television TV show. And Jessica, I want this video on our show. Yeah. Yes, of course, of course. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> fantastic news. It was super fun to make a music video for. It was, you know, I don't normally make music videos because, you know, they cost money and 
you don't always see a lot of return on your investment. But when I wrote this song and we finished it, I could see a whole video in my head. It made me want to move my body. Like I wanted to dance and I danced for 16 years and I, I've pretty much not danced for the same amount of time. Like ballet or like interpretive dance? Ballet, jazz, tap, modern. Yeah, I was a competitive dancer. I took like 13 dance classes a week, had dance scholarships. Holy mackerel. Yeah. And so I was just really inspired by this song to dance again. So I called up a choreographer and we made up an entire routine and I put together this video and we just got the rough cut back yesterday. And you're definitely going to see those cinematic moments, those moments that you were talking about within the song. It was, it was really fun. Yeah. Cause I, like that break in this song where the piano riff is repeating and then the synthesizer takes over and then this sort of computerized percussion comes in and then the guitar, fuzzy guitar. <laughs> yeah. Voice layers. It's like sort of like element after element of sonic layering, almost like a Phil Spector thing, like in a different modernized take on it. It's just cool. It's all get out. I, I, people are going to love this song. I hope it blows up and has a Euro feel to it. I bet it goes crazy. I, I bet the Europeans will love this. I hope so. They've always liked me better than Americans. Oh, really? Why do you think that is? Because I'm weird. I'm like the meathead's artsy chick. You know what I mean? I'm not artsy enough for America. And I'm not pop enough for America. I'm just weird enough to be pop in in, in Europe. In like Germany, right? <laughs> yeah. Is it that German sense of humor or something? Yes, exactly. So <laughs> I hope it goes international for you. about losing sleep this is more traditional song structure you know with your verse chorus verse chorus bridge mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is not your standard stick right no i mean I, I wrote that when i was 19 maybe it was 18 18 or 19 um no it's definitely 18 because the record didn't come out until i was 
1920 in my dorm room on my guitar. And I just always love this song for some reason, I guess because I still can't sleep. Um, (laughs) And so, you know, at the time it wasn't that traditional, like the way that the song was recorded, but now it is now, you know, obviously music has changed a lot over the last 12 years. It just always had such a soft spot in my heart. I love, I love singing it. I still sing it if I play a show. (laughs) Every once in a while you have that song that for me, this story has never changed for me. Just the idea that I can't sleep and I'm a perfectionist. I constantly think about my mistakes or how I can be better. I think about my songs and how they're not good enough. Well, they're good enough for me and my listeners. So I think you're being a little hard on yourself here. Well, that's what the whole song's about. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. So you you can sleep well tonight after this episode, I hope. I'll try. I'll try. But my favorite line from the song is, you can own that balance beam two steps forward towards make-believe. Because life is a balance beam and we're all trying to own it. And like, we're all falling off (laughs) and having to get back up. Yeah, it's like a it's like a song that the your inner voice is trying to fight the other inner voice and saying you can do this. And the more that we fight who we really are, the more we lose. So, you know, it touches on the idea that when you're trying to be something other than yourself, it's not going to work in the long run. And maybe it was just touching on my story of self-discovery and of acceptance and trying to be okay with who I am and where I'm going. And now when I think about emotions, I don't think there's like something wrong with me, right? You know, for many, many years, I had a lot of people tell me that, you know, I'm crazy because I had feelings and because I had trauma. And the more accepting of like my boundaries that I became, I I realized, okay, like I'm not good at doing this, this, and that. I need to take a step back. I need some self-care. I can't do 30 shows in a row and be traveling. That makes me feel crazy because most people would feel crazy if they were doing that. And so, you know, we react to our environments and that's okay. That doesn't mean we ourselves are nuts. (laughs) It's just (laughs) like, maybe we pivot away from the things that are doing us harm. (laughs) and find better coping mechanisms. So, you know, at that point in my life at 18, I obviously haven't found those uh, healthy coping mechanisms yet. And I was using unhealthy coping mechanisms and, you know, just a lot of tears and not understanding how, why I was feeling a certain way. And then my family may be pushing me to be overly medicated and my managers telling me that I should be just easier and learn how to bro out with the boys and be less emotional and things like that. And so this song really touched on kind of what I was going through at the time. It has a big rave up jangly guitar in it. What inspired you to write that? Um, I think I was listening to a lot of the, this emo band at the time called, uh, I can't even remember what they were called. And they had a lot of jangly guitar. <laughs> and I just, you know, I was just 18 and obsessed with what was cool at the time. So also... I had like this thing that I was doing back then where I would try to learn different chords and things like that and try to make it a point to put them in a song 
and try to make them work. And so there's a lot of like, there's like a diminished chord in there and all this like things that I was learning at the time and trying to figure out how to make a song around it. So I would create like homework assignments for my songwriting when I was younger. To put a diminished chord in a song now that you learned it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> I love the intro with this computer drum and this guitar riff with the abrupt stop, but it has one of my favorite things, the triangle. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I just love the triangle, the carefully placed triangle thing, you know. <laughs> you do that in concert or does your percussionist no, do that? I mean if we do if we have like backing tracks and stuff, we'll do it, but we won't we don't do it live, but it, it's too hard to recreate. I mean, Doug, let here's the thing. When I do another show, uh, we'll just have you come out and you can just ding the triangle. How about that? I can play the triangle. I'm capable of doing that. I'd be honored to come on stage and, <laughs> and do that in your show. I, I, I would be so anxiously nervous that I would miss the beat and <laughs> screw up the triangle part and then throw the whole song off. But I would be honored to try. I think you could do it. I would make you practice. I would make you practice. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun. Oh, great song, Losing Sleep, from your earlier career. I could hold my breath, but I would not need the air, so I could keep my head down, but I would not take the limits. I could live on the edge, the edge with you. talk about worship yes yes worship 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 <laughs> another song where you repeat yourself on the edge the edge the edge where would where would maybe in another maybe in another maybe in another life <laughs> yeah that to me it just felt like the song should be simple the older i get the less i say and it's because I think that's just something that happens as we all get older in general, right? Like we don't feel the need necessarily to say more because we have the experience to say less. And worship, I really just wanted it to feel like this sonic experience in a song where you're just kind of entranced with it because that 
was the feeling I was feeling. And, and that's kind of how you feel when you worship something, right? E- either a, a God or a person or a lifestyle, I don't know, a drug. And so I really wanted the listener to feel that kind of trance. I had a friend, he, he would tell me in life and sometimes in professions, you have to specialize over and over again. And he said, I found that I know more and more about less and less until finally I know everything about nothing at all. Yeah, that's the truth. And then when you get to that point, you don't have to say anything because you know everything about nothing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and then you, and you can say less. <laughs> yeah. And you know... It's interesting because in a way, like we have, they say after worship, but really it should be worship and then breaking my heart because they exist in the same chapter. They have a similar character that kind of goes into the next song. So I feel like, you know, it was also an experiment for me to see if I can still write alone. I tend not to write alone that much anymore because so much of my work is collaborative and I'm, you know, I'm being hired to do this. And then I'm in a session with this person that you forget that you have all the tools <laughs> to do it yourself. And it almost sometimes felt boring to like sit alone and write a song by myself. And especially because I've been doing it so long, you know, like the last thing I want to do is like self-reflect for like two hours in my, in my alone in my room. Well, you, you know, in some of your interviews, you talk about narcissism and songs being about narcissists that you've known or gone out with. or But, you know, this industry is rooted in narcissism at some level. It's called entertainment and performance. <laughs> and, you know, it's putting yourself out there to be seen and worshipped as a performer at some level. So, you know, I think you have to be a bit of a narcissist. Of course. I mean, no one's more self-obsessed than me. No, I I just feel like... Really? I could probably name some people, but... (laughs) You know, you have to to be interested in yourself enough to want to explore, right? So... Yeah. I think our our former president might be more than you. Oh, he's... He's past a narcissist. He's a sociopath. But I, it's interesting because I don't know. I don't consider myself a narcissist. I do consider myself a tad self-involved. And I think every entertainer is self-involved because you can't not be. I wasn't calling you a narcissist. I, I read in your, I, I, I read in, I just want to clarify because I read in one of your interviews that you wrote a song about a person that was a narcissist. Yes, this song. Yeah. And I thought it was this song. So I just was checking on that. Yeah. Okay. It's, um, it, it, this song is about a narcissist. And like I said before, I've always been drawn to the darker side of love. In the past, I've kind of fallen in love with people where I can barely see where I end and like they begin and and it becomes like this really gross, passionate obsession lust makes you feel like, oh, this story has already been written. I've like known you in another life. Maybe I'll know you in the next. And like just stupid crap like that. And that's very romantic. Is it? But like it's kind of not. Like the more I explore that idea, the more not romantic it sounds. It sounds cliche and trite and artificial. It's artificial. It's not really rooted in real love, right? It's surface. And so basically this character 
was exploring the idea of falling in love with a narcissist when really you're only falling in love with yourself because a narcissist only reflects a mirror image of you because they think that's what you want. They are not really there. So they're just showing you all the things that you really desire or that you feel like you bring to the table when you fall in love. So it's like this beautiful thing because you finally got everything you've ever wanted <laughs> in another person until, you know, obviously that bubble is burst and then you you find out that they are just uh, a narcissistic sociopath with no feelings uh, of their own and they're just a void. And that can feel so heartbreaking because you really worshipped that love because it made you feel so alive. And so I hadn't written a song in a long time, was exploring these feelings that I had had and, and just sat at my piano, which I can barely play. I look like a baby giraffe trying to walk for the first time every time I write on piano. But I love writing on piano because it kind of forces me to make different melody choices. It just poured out of me. And when I'm writing a song, I'm not always sure what it's about until I kind of reflect on it, you know? It was that idea of like, let me worship you. Like, I want, I want you. Like, I love you. I want you. This is, but I can't. It's maybe in another life. It makes you feel just completely alive and then ultimately completely broken. The coolest thing for me about this song is the percussion and this sort of echoey popping. Is it bongos that someone's playing there? I don't know. No bongos, but no, um, it, was, it almost sounded like bongos. <laughs> I was like, I wrote bongos. It's like, but it's the cool percussion sound of whoever did that did a good job. I, I <laughs> admire you. what they did. Yeah. Tone Deaf and I, when we've worked together, we worked on worship, breaking my heart. And they say together, and, and we just finished our next Lisa single. We just have a really amazing collaborative relationship. I am so particular in what I want. And he's just really good at interpreting what it is I want. <laughs> and so that's definitely a partnership for life. I also like your whisper voice vocal on Maybe in Another Life. When you do that, it's like, it makes you pay attention as a listener. It's like, oh, she's bringing <laughs> You know, that goes into what we were saying before about getting older, is that I used to think I have to be loud for people to pay attention. and. Now I get quieter and calmer when I want people to pay attention. Mm, it's more effective, huh? It is. I find it, you know, I'm I'm also a, you know, music executive. I'm vice president of a music publisher here in LA. Yes, and what is the brand? I love the brand. <laughs> so, I have my own company and I'm the president of that. That's Head Bitch Music and that's custom music. And then I'm also vice president at a music publisher here in LA called Heavy Hitters Music. But you're the CEO of Head Bitch Music. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just in case you didn't know who it was named after, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, you know, if people are going to call me a bitch, they can write their checks to that. I do feel like in business too, I, I get quieter now if I'm like, if a man is yelling at me in a business meeting, because it happens. And I just go, oh, you know, I'm sorry you feel that way. Maybe in another life. In another life. Maybe in another <laughs> life you could yell at me. Exactly. Way. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. There's a darkness inside of me. I 
about moved awesome that's one of my favorite songs why uh i wrote it with one of my favorite people g and he's also a jersey boy and i just love writing with him because he writes in a very similar way all of a sudden like 15 minutes later like we have a whole song and we like don't remember how it happened because usually we're we're being really serious and then we're making noises in between you know, I'm like, what? Okay, love, like exploring love. Blah, 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 blah. And then I'm like, <laughs> like it's just very <laughs> psycho. And we just enjoy each other's company so much. So I remember going to his studio, aka his his house studio, and I said, you know, we were. I was listening to Freya Writings. I think it's without you. I can't remember the name of the song, but it was licensed a ton. And because I do so much film and TV, I had called my friend G and I said, hey, want to do a piano ballad? (laughs) (laughs) And I was thinking about my ex-fiance and how at that point, I've never met anybody who moved me like that. And what I mean by that is, listen, I'm very happily married. My husband is my best friend. He's my family. But going back to that toxic love, I've obviously been attracted to a lot of toxic narcissists. <laughs> and I, this was my first exploration in that, like when it comes to like this laces chapter, right? And I thought, oh, no one is ever going to move me like that because no one can possibly hurt me in the way that this man has hurt me. And my emotions are so tied to that, that hurt. And that that high and that low. It's like it's like a drug, right? You know, when you get high, nothing's ever going to make you that high, but when you are off that high, you feel terrible. And then if you're lucky enough, you become sober and then 
you still remember that feeling and you have to fight that feeling every day. So that's kind of how it felt to be in love with this man who ultimately built me up and then broke me down. I wanted to write a song about exploring that idea that no one can move you the way that somebody that hurts you moves you. So this is like a cathartic rehab? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Totally, totally. It's like a 12-step program? That's like basically why I write songs for sure. Or, or, I, you just picked all the sad love songs about. Do, have you written a love <laughs> song about your current husband? Um, have I? Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, yes, I have. I was going to give you a project to do. You know, to, to, to write a song to about inspire him. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he deserves one. I think you know. You know what he does, but I just not. <laughs> I don't like to write happy songs unless someone's paying me to write them. Because if I'm going to write a happy song, to me, like, I'm not going to sit down and write a happy song because I'm happy. Like, I'm living my life. I'm only going to write a song if I'm feeling a certain thing that I need to explore, I need to get out of my system, or is a passing thought that needs to live outside of my body. When I'm writing happy songs, it's because I'm getting hired to do so. So I write a lot of, like, commercials, but I make money off of those. So I can get, I'm like, that's how I let go of those happy thoughts. I noticed that in your in your background that you've written a lot of commercials. I have a really good friend, Peter Smaha, and he has a band in Park City, and he wrote the Nabisco theme. Nabisco. Like three notes that are legendary against one word. And I just, every time I see him, I'm like, Peter, you wrote Nabisco. What have you written in the commercial world that's as memorable, eternally memorable as the Nabisco I don't think I've done anything in in memorable. I've done a Samsung commercial, a Microsoft commercial, a Verizon commercial. You didn't write the Samsung theme? You know, it's really sad that these these brands have given up on writing jingles like that. I know. I wish. I wish. You know, we need to put the songwriters to work, number one. A hundred percent. And I just said Nabisco and everybody knew the song, right? You know those notes. They're just indelibly burned into your brain. That's more sound design, though, a lot of times now. Like, they don't do jingles, but they'll do a sound design. So it's just like a few notes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But no, I don't do any I don't do any of like, that. Like, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, farmers, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Like, <laughs> that's such a bad jingle. Like, you could do so much better for them, Jessica. I mean, hey, I'm available. Okay, farmers, here we go. We're going to go to work on your jingle anyway. Nationwide is on, <laughs> on your, your side. side. Like, like, you know that jingle. Like, to the point where Peyton Manning can sing it with Brad Paisley. It's like, <laughs> we can do better. We can do better. I will say, I tend to write music about my husband that I don't release. So I wrote a song for him before we dated, after I kissed him and, like, ignored him for weeks because I didn't know what I was doing because Brian is like an amazing man. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do if he doesn't want to be with me. And so I wrote him a song called Wigged Love and sent it to him. And then he flew to LA and we planned our entire lives together. And then we got, you know, engaged. I'm so, We got married a year after he flew down after he heard that song. And I've written him other songs, but I try to keep like the, the mystery of my actual relationship with my husband out of lyrics. It's almost too private. I understand that and respect that. 
I would like to hear you release some real love songs and some happy songs. <laughs> Honestly, because I think your voice will do an amazing job with them. And that's why I want to hear it. Well, if you want happy songs, you can hear Skinny Beats and my other monikers. They're pretty happy. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, you know, pop. Pop happy. You know, alt indie rock stuff that you're capable of doing. The next single is called Almost Happy, if you can believe it. I want beyond happy. I don't want almost happy. I want the next level. I don't want like almost there. I want it over there, like over the top happy. That's what I want. That's as far as I'll go. That's as far as I'll go for now. Yeah. Just like no one knows me Bed unwound and oh so lonely You don't see why I still paint the sky I am silent, so inspired Contradiction, pretty liar You don't see why I still paint the sky But if I run away Would you stop me? If I fight too hard Would you drop me? No matter what I do Tell me you'll see Through lucidity Easy to love anyway It's not easy to love Let's talk about Paint the Sky. Another sad song. I love it. Love it. What does it mean to paint the sky? To me, it's like a, your own fantasy, your own imagination. You know, just what do you want your universe to look like? And how can like a lover or somebody also help you do that? Like to me, I've always been the maker of my own rules. And so I've always painted my own universe. I have to say, I thought this is such a beautifully arranged song, whoever did the arrangement. And this has, if I'm correct, strings like cello and French horn in it? It does, yeah. And it's actually, yeah, it's real It's real cello and French horn. Okay. It's my cousin's, actually. It's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And it's composition. Whoever, is that you that put that together? I wrote it with a songwriter named Jay Levine, you know, on our guitar. And then we put together the parts and then we sent it over to my aunt and my cousin. They did an amazing job. It's really elegant. So what's it about? So going back to the song, The End, <laughs> well, Paint the Sky, I, I was so in love with this man and he just didn't get me. You know, I was so just 
overwhelmed with my love for him, just like looked at him and just saw the moon and the stars. And I wrote this song in hopes that he would understand me, (laughs) which, you know, if any women are listening, they know that that is not, (laughs) it won't work. (laughs) So I felt like you're not understanding this universe I'm creating. I feel like you keep trying to fix me and making me something that I'm not. So I'm more presentable to the people around you. You know, he came from just like fancy New York people. And I obviously did not. And obviously, you know, who it's about my friend, David, he and I are so close. But at the time, you know, I embarrassed him and maybe because I was 17 years younger than he was, but you know, he thought I was a little gaudy, thought I was a little like, you know, just a little too bald, said things not necessarily in the most intelligent ways. And I think that embarrassed him. He came from like a theater family, real estate family. And, you know, he just, he wanted to fix me. And so I wrote this song about are you going to just like drop me and just leave me? If I'm not perfect or I fight you, are you just going to... It's never easy to love somebody. Why can't we just be together? His reaction to that was, you might want to change a line and maybe change the melody here. And he's not a songwriter. Huh. <laughs> so it didn't work. change his song. <laughs> That's when you should have broken up with him. That's- yeah. It didn't last much longer. Yeah. But I was so heartbroken that he didn't listen to the song in a way that like, you know, was this heart song to him. And it was my love letter to him. Instead, he did exactly what I was saying in the song was try to fix me and fix the song. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So it's one of those songs that I don't know, it just poured out of me. And it's my favorite song I've ever written. I think it's, I don't think I've beaten it yet. Really? Yeah. This is your favorite? This is my favorite song. I think it's the best song I've ever written, in my opinion. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I just love, I, I can't pick favorites. They're just like children, <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's so many of your songs I just love that this is a great one. It's so beautifully arranged. I kind of like the way you go from the third person to the first person in the bridge. It, I tend to do that a lot and you've brought it up and I'm not even, I don't even realize I do do it. Did you know you did that in the song? No. I mean, I, I mean, I, I know I do like, it just kind of comes naturally. I don't really think about it, but it's interesting. You bringing it up makes me realize like, Oh, I I do that a lot. I have a lot of habits in my songs. A lot of things come up a lot, which is just an observation. I'm not going to form an opinion about it, but. (laughs) You know, strings are kind of, not acceptable in certain rock radio. And I love it when a song breaks that rule and does it well, you know, like, you know, sort of the original Beatles Penny Lane with the French horn was like, Oh my God, they put a classical instrument in a rock song. Who would ever thought that would work. And when it works, it works great when it's done well, like it is here. Oh, thank you so much. get high so turn left till I get right or it's buried I burn but do I shine cause I'm crossing all the lines till it's hell 
So let's talk about Someday is Not Tonight. Not a love song. Hey-o. <laughs> <laughs> I think we got a theme going here on this episode. <laughs> Another not a love song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I really like this song. I was writing with my friend Kyle McCammon, and it's probably my first kind of song like Losing Sleep, but a more mature version that I've written in a long time. How I avoid my shit. (laughs) 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 And so, you know, again, and I think I've said this a lot, I struggle with anxiety where I have like functional extreme anxiety. (laughs) I mean, I don't, I don't take medication for it or anything anymore. I I do smoke a lot of weed. I'm not going to lie to you. It's legal in your state though, right? It is. It's my, it's my medicine. It's my medicine. It's kind of about that idea that I'm doing everything against my best interest sometimes, you know, where I was like, I'm getting heady, I'm getting high, I'm like turning left when I should really go right. And, or like I'm turning left and I, until I feel okay, or I bury something deep, so down that it doesn't even become part of my story anymore. And there's a line in the song that, and and I don't know if it resonates with you, but it says, I burn, but do I shine? And That is the line for me that I really resonate with, which is I have so much passion and fire in me, but like, is that getting in the way of me really shining and growing? Powerful. Thank you. It feels heavy. Like sometimes life just feels really heavy. And and the older that you get, the more experiences that you have. And the more experiences that you have, just that heavier the load becomes. and while we get better at living and better at surviving and maybe better at accepting, it doesn't change how heavy those experiences are. And they catch up with you. This song is an acknowledgement of the heaviness that my life has been, you know, what it was, and how much I don't like to burden others with my burdens. You know, I tell everyone I'm fine. But that just sounds like it's not true. Right, because it's not fine, you know? And it's just that acknowledgement that someday is not tonight. Like, I'm not going to figure this out right now. Like, maybe maybe I just need to let it be. Because I, I am, you know, I am caught in the middle of my own story. And then it's like, it go- goes on in the song, like, that you've called off the worst. And, like, you're going to be 
fine. You just have to be okay. Like where you are is enough. It's just that that entire idea. It's just an observation, a conversation of what it feels like to be a human. And that's kind of it, you know, like you're here, wherever you are, you're here. So you have to accept it. But there's another line in the song that always sticks with me too. It's like off my chest and on my mind. And I don't know if if you get what that means, but to me, it's like, you know, you carry all that anxiety and all that stuff. It's like living in your chest. And for me, it just goes right back to my brain. And then it goes back to my chest and then back to my brain. <laughs> and so it's just this ping pong experience. And it's me telling myself in the song, throughout the song is, just take a second, breathe. You're okay. Just got to live. <laughs> so we never get a resolution on where I'm going to go in the song, but it's just it's just a conversation with myself that your anxiety isn't who you are. Some of the th- melody things or composition of the song I, that I really like is the finger snaps or, the, or those sticks. They're snaps. Yeah, I like the way you do that. You use finger snaps in several of your songs. And I, I kind of think that's super cool. Thank you. And then the background vocal, what is that saying? It's like kick, kick, kick like the overlay on the vocalese that you use here, which is like, so you have you have a background vocal going over the vocalese. And is that you laying all those tracks down yourself? Yeah, yeah. The, the and then the caught in the middle part. There's something behind it that's going to geek, 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 I can't even remember. I do a lot of layers on vocals in every song. And you'll hear this in most of my songs, especially in the last five years, where we'll have like a vocalese part, right? Like the, and then I usually do a pass or a few passes of ad libs and I just let whatever comes out of me. And then we kind of strategically put it in places of the song in the song and then, or we'll sample my vocal and maybe change it up a little bit. So it still emulates the original melodies that were in the song, the feeling that that captures, but it's mostly like almost like a free form of dancing in a way. In dance class, you a lot of times a teacher will teach you a routine and they'll give you like eight bars to do whatever you want. And so I kind of have translated that into how I also like sing on on my songs. That's when you would really shine in the dance class? <laughs> yeah, when I can really like be myself. <laughs> That's when you take over the room. <laughs> oh, I love it. You know, Jessica, Vaughn, I was really nervous about this episode because there were so many sad songs, <laughs> but you are a riot and you are so much fun. And what I really want to encourage you to do is write an entire album of happy songs using nothing but vocalese. <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> and that would be so cool. And that, that's, that would blow up. It's just, if you wrote some happy songs just with nothing but your voice, like ad-libbing and then overdubs. With tone on the percussion. Gosh, (laughs) what a great pleasure and thrill it is for us to have you here on Backstory Song. I can't wait to see you play in person with Laces. Jessica, is there anything you want to plug? No, just my, you know, my next single is out on the 19th, Breaking My Heart. Put a lot of love into it, so don't break my heart. Everyone should listen to it. As well as the video coming for that. As well as the video. The video is coming. 
I learned a dance routine after 16 years. So if you want to giggle a little bit, maybe you should watch it. (laughs) But thank you so much, so much for having me. Everyone can find me on the interwebs under just head bitch music without the eye so I can run ads. You know, I'm easily Googleable, So feel free to internet stalk me if you must. Okay. And I got to thank my sound engineer, DJ Wyatt Schmidt. You can listen to him out there on the internet in lots of places. His stuff is starting to blow up. And my social media director, MC Owens, always, uh, we wouldn't be here without you. And please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Backstory Song. And thank you very much, Jessica Vaughn from The Band Laces. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.